If you have your Bibles, let's turn to 2 Peter. We're looking in chapter 2 at the problem of false teachers, of, of pseudo-teachers. That's actually the, the, the word for false teachers is pseudo-didaskalos, fake teachers, false teachers. Uh, Peter warned the, the, the churches that these teachers are going to arise at the start of chapter 2, just like false prophets arose in the Old Testament. These false teachers, false prophets came and said, I've got a new word from God. False teachers are coming and twisting the word that is already there. Uh, these false teachers are very much like the false prophets. And so he described to us some of the things that they'll do. They will come in bringing division. Remember when we looked at that, that's that word heresies. They're, they're bringing division that is destructive. There's good division in the church, division that's based on God's word. And then there's bad division in the church, division that's based on uh, man's own teaching. As, as Peter warned about in chapter one, man's own interpretation. So you're taking God's word, putting your own interpretation on it. He said, it's that sort of work by these false teachers teachers that is that is a heresy it is a destructive dis, dis, destroying thing uh, and so they're going to bring in division based on man's word not God's word uh, he then warned that they'll they're willfully rejecting the lordship of Christ remember no one is accidentally a false teacher these people are rejecting their master. This isn't just that they, uh, you know, did, a, did a, a poor Sunday school lesson one time or sitting around the table for family devotional. They wrongly explained 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 3 uh, and became a, a false teacher. These are people who are willfully denying the lordship of their master. They know what they are doing and they will bring only destruction. False teachers promise good to you. They promise things like, I don't know, health and wealth. Uh, those are just maybe a couple options. So they promise you good, but they will actually only bring destruction on you and on themselves. And, and we're going to see, he's going to talk about destruction extensively at the end of verse 3 and on through quite a bit of, of the chapter. Uh, and then we saw last week uh, as well, they, false teachers will use temptations to attract us. They will use sin as an attractant. Uh, it's like using a dead animal to, to, to bring in a coyote. Uh, they'll use that dead thing to get you to come in. And unfortunately, sometimes we want teachers uh, that will tell us that our sin is okay. And so that's why it says many will follow their sensuality. Many. Uh, because there are many, even within the church, who really just want people to tell them, I'm okay, you're okay, we're all okay, let's live how we want to. Uh, and, the, and the Bible says, uh, you're okay, but only if you're in Christ. Uh, and if you're in Christ, you'll live a holy life. And if you're not living a holy life, you're probably not in Christ. Uh, so not that I'm okay, you're okay, we're all okay, but look to Christ. Uh, these false teachers are encouraging us through uh, temptation and their teaching ultimately leads to blasphemy of the name of Christ and of the gospel and they don't care. Uh, and the Bible teaches us, like we saw last week, a Christian will care about what our actions say about our Lord. Uh, we can't stand that the Gentiles might blaspheme the name of God because of our actions. The, these false teachers, they don't care. Uh, but we've got more about the motives of the false teachers. Why are they doing this? Uh, let's stand in the honor of reading God's word. We'll read this section again, starting in verse 1 of chapter 2, on through the start of, of verse 10. And then we're really going to focus uh, in verse 3 on the motives uh, that, that are driving them. Beginning in verse 1. 
but false prophets also arose among the people. Just as there will be false teachers among you who will secretly bring in destructive heresies, even denying the master who bought them, bringing upon themselves swift destruction, and many will follow their sensuality. And because of them, the way of truth will be blasphemed. And in their greed, they will exploit you with false words. Their condemnation from long ago is not idle. And their destruction is not asleep. For if God did not spare angels when they sinned, but cast them into hell and committed them to chains of gloomy darkness to be kept until the judgment, and if he did not spare the ancient world, but preserved Noah, a herald of righteousness, with seven others when he brought a flood upon the world uh, of the ungodly. If by turning the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah to ashes, he condemned them to extinction, making them an example of what's going to happen to the ungodly. And if he rescued righteous Lot, greatly distressed by the sensual conduct of the wicked, for as the righteous man lived among them day after day, he was tormenting his righteous soul over their lawless deeds that he saw and heard. Then the Lord knows how to rescue the godly from trials and to keep the unrighteous under punishment until the day of judgment. And especially those who indulge in the lust of defiling passion and despise authority. Let's pray. Father, we know that you know how to protect your people, how to keep them, how to rescue them. And we know you know how to keep the ungodly until judgment. And so, Father, as condemnation comes to false teachers and those who follow them, we pray, Father, that we would not be kept up in your just judgment on the unrighteous, but that we would be rescued by you, even from these trials. Father, may your word today, as Zachary prayed just a minute ago, may your word be what keeps us from sin. May it be the shield that enables us to extinguish every fiery dart that the devil and his people will cast against your church. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. And that's, uh, that's how we're going to end today. Uh, we'll get there on how to protect ourselves from false issues. That's how we're going to end. Some of you are like, that was really fast. Uh, uh, but uh, we're, we're going to see here, we're, we're starting out now in verse 3, we get a little bit of the motivation of these false teachers. So the problem of false teachers is one that, that is this, this church is going to face, and, and why are these false teachers doing what they're doing? They're, they're causing divisions, they're uh, lead, going toward destruction, they're, they're, fought, they're denying their master, they're, they're leading people to sensuality, but why? And here we get a little insight into their motivation. It says here that they are driven by greed. These false teachers are ultimately driven by greed. It says, and in their greed, they will exploit you. With false words. These false teachers, they want more. And what's funny, that's what the word greed means there. That, that word greed is a combination of the word more and have. They want to have more. And so because of their desire to have more, because their desire for the things of the world is insatiable. Another way you could translate that, that insatiableness. They, they want to have more things 
And so it is that greed that is driving. In fact, most of the time in the ESV, this word is translated covetousness. In their covetousness, in their desire to have, to want, to get. They will do whatever they have to do. This is the opposite of contentment here. These false teachers are, if you've got godliness with contentment is great gain. These people see great gain from sensuality with covetousness. These people think sensuality with covetousness is great gain. And they're going to find out that it's actually going to bring only great destruction. The Christian knows that godliness with contentment is great gain. These false teachers are not content. They have to have more. That's one of the things that, that drives their desire. So Christian, one thing for us, look, we, this is a temptation for every person. Temptation that scripture warns us about. I've got to have more. And if that's what drives you, if that's your desire, then that's going to shape what you do. Just like these false teachers are shaped by a, uh, by a wanting of more, they do whatever they have to do to get more, even denying their master even twisting the word of God. And it, it, it is birthed out of a covetousness, out of a greed, out of an insatiable desire to have more things of this world. These false teachers understand that false teaching is big business. The Bible actually warns multiple times about using the role of teacher as a way to get wealth. The Bible warns us, don't use the role of teacher as a way to grain, gain great wealth, which, which shows us that, that none of these false teachers were Baptists, right? Uh, but don't use false, and we talked about that. Well, we won't go back to that. Uh, but 1 Timothy chapter 6 talks about false teachers who stray from God's word because they, they love controversy and fights, but they don't just love controversies and fights. They love controversies and fights because controversies and fights make them money. So when you look, 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 5. And constant friction among people who are depraved in mind and of the truth, imagining that godliness is a means of gain. Why, why are these teachers in 1 Timothy, and really 1 Timothy here is, is warning about, uh, about these teachers that we're going to see a, a little bit later that are misusing God's word. Why are they, uh, in, in 1 Timothy's case, why are they adding to God's word these things? He says, look, they want to cause division because the division is good for them ultimately to gain. Because if, if I can make division between me and someone else, then I can get you on my side and not on their side. This is what happens in things like church splits, right? I've got to get people on my side, but enough people so that they can pay my salary when I encourage them to split from the church they're in uh, and join, I don't know, maybe my church. Uh, that's what happens. These things, this, the, if, if it, for, for that to happen, I have to divide people. And these false teachers realize they can't just go teaching what everyone else is teaching because if they're just teaching what everyone else is teaching, then no one's going to follow them. But if they can make a division, if they can create a friction within the body of Christ and encourage people to follow them, for them, they says it will be a means of great gain. And these false teachers are driven by that desire for gain. They are driven by their greed. Peter's going to talk about it a little bit later in chapter 2, verse 14. He says that they are trained in greed. 
That, that word trained in Greek, as we're going to see, is a word we talked about before. That's the word they use to describe athletes. They are gymnasts in greed. That's actually the word. It's where we get the word gymnastics. They are, they are like professional Greco-Roman wrestlers for greed. They're, if the Olympics of greed were being held, these guys would meddle in it. Because they have trained themselves in greed. That's what, they, that's what they've worked at. This insatiableness, this covetousness has driven their life. And so they'll do whatever they have to do to get more, even using the church to get it. If you can get to a body of believers and say, follow me. And hey, one of the ways you follow me is to give me money and I will tell you what God says. Like some sort of Baptist fortune teller. Right? Drop a, drop a coin uh, and I will read to you your special tarot card for the week. These false teachers know that they can make money through the church. And so they will create whatever they have to do. They'll say whatever they have to do to be able to eventually make that money. Second Peter chapter 2, verse 15, the very next uh, verse says that they love gain even when they know it's wrong. So it says in verse 15, they loved gain from wrongdoing. These people don't care what they have to do to get the money. They don't care what they have to do uh, in order to become wealthy. They're insatiable. They're driven by greed, by covetousness. They're driven by money. So I want you to see what Peter's talking about here. A comparison with what Peter heard one time in his past while sitting on a mount listening to a man preach a sermon. Here he says that these false teachers are denying their master in pursuit of greed, in pursuit of money. Is there another time that Peter himself heard his master talk about how you can't serve one master that is God and another master that is money? Of course, he is just saying here, he's talking about what Jesus himself said in Matthew chapter 6, verse 24, warning us about the idea that you can serve money and we can have the sort of American dream that you're going to get wealthy and that's your pursuit. You do whatever you have to do. So what do you worry about for your kids? My kids have to have a good education so that they can get rich. And what are you worried about in your life? I've got, how much stuff do I have? And I have less stuff than those people, and so my life can't be as good, and I'm going to do whatever I have to do to get more stuff. Listen, and parents, let me warn you. Your kids hear that. You know how I know that? Because I used to do scholarship help for kids, and I would ask them what they want to be, and the only thing they wanted to be was whatever made the most money. Like, Why would you want to? I want to be a doctor. Do you like? Did you do good in biology? Ugh, no. I'm not a science person. Uh... What are you? I'm a, I'm a money person. Uh, and I go, have you thought about going into false teaching? Uh, that's what I would often say, because if you're wanting to make the money uh, and not need any knowledge. Uh, but I would hear that from, from kids, and, I, and they, that's all that they cared about. And I go, well, where did they get that? They got that from the world. And they got that from a world that is sometimes driven by having, having, having. And because there is a temptation even for the people of God to be driven by my life is all about getting more. So, so, so let that be a, a, a warning to us here. And we know Christ warns in Matthew chapter 6, verse 24. He says, look, no one can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other or what? He'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. And then what does he say? You cannot serve God. And of all things, what does he say? 
money. And what do we have here going on in 2 Peter? You have these false teachers who are, in fact, denying their master. One of their masters that they claim to have in pursuit of that which is their real master, money. They're showing, they're proving Christ right. You can't serve God and money. And these false teachers say, that's exactly right. Give me money. Because they are denying that master. They are despising him. They are hating him and pursuing the master that they really love. Which is greed. Which is having more. So false teachers are driven ultimately by a desire to get, to have, to gain. They're driven by a worldliness, not a godliness. They think they can fake godliness and get worldliness. False teachers also don't actually care for the people. So we see in their motivation, what do they care about? They care about greed, they care about stuff, but they don't care about the people. It says that in their greed, they will what? They will exploit you with false words. If you remember what, what Peter said to the shepherds in, in 1 Peter chapter 5, that shepherds are to, pastors are to shepherd the flock of God, that our job is to take care of God's flock. That is Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 13 verse 17 says that that the church is to obey their leaders and to submit to them. Why? Because what are the leaders supposed to be doing? What are the elders supposed to be doing? What is their singular job in, in, why do they preach God's word? Why do they counsel God's word? Why do they do those things? What are they doing for the church? They are keeping watch over your souls. That's what they're supposed to be doing. That's what Zach and I are supposed to be doing. We're not supposed to be looking at our bank accounts. We're not supposed to be looking at, you know, uh, what influence I have with, with this group or these people or whatever. Our job is to, is to care for you, to give our lives up in caring for you. Whatever we have to do. That's not what these false teachers were doing. These false teachers are exploiting the people. They're taking advantage of them. Now, recognize, what's ironic about that? Is it often false teachers today are the ones that say they're only teaching these things because they care about people. Right? We need to care. You got to love people. And they will twist God's word and say that they're doing it because they love the person they're twisting God's word to. Whether it's a false teacher that is saying that this sin, that the Bible says is sin, say homosexuality or whatever, that, that's a very popular one, uh, that that's not a sin anymore. Why? Because we need to love people. And the Bible actually says if you're twisting God's word, you don't love people, you're actually twisting it because you're wanting to exploit these people. Because if you can say that this isn't a sin, then this church over here that's reading God's word is saying it is, then these people can go, hey, let's just leave this church and still get our God fix at this one. And you haven't said those things because you really care about the people. You've said those things. These false teachers say these things because they want to exploit the people. That word exploit in, in, in the Greek is a crazy word. It, it, it's, it's the word they would use for the buying and selling of goods. It's, it's like they're wanting to use people like trading cards or like, or like goods. They're, they're, they're wanting to take advantage of you. They're just, they're wanting to treat you like a commodity, not like a person. 
And I tell you, churches, this is why it's dangerous for churches to to do things like, uh, well, I'm about to get all up in something. Uh, this is why it's dangerous for Baptist churches to focus so much on the number of people that are in their particular service and to be so minded on the number of people. Because what is that turning people into? It's turning people into figures, into numbers. And so you will have in the Baptist Messenger sometimes an article showing all the people that go to this church. And look how big this church is and how many people it's got. And this church has this many people and this church has that many people. And you know what those are? Numbers. They're just numbers. They're not a sign of health in any way. If you're not sure of that, go down and go to Houston and Joel's got a huge church for you. But what is it doing? It's doing a natural thing that we have, which is to turn people into commodities, into numbers. And, and churches will sometimes see their health in the buying and selling of individuals. We have more people here. We must be healthier. And we don't realize that the people we got left the place where they were for a very unhealthy reason and brought their cancer over here to us. We're just happy that we got more folks. And it's like people, they're the spiritual equivalent of the coronavirus right now. And that's probably all I'm ever going to preach on the coronavirus. Because because it is easy to to make this not about actually helping souls. To make this not about laying down our lives for one another, about walking into here and going, how many people do we have? Okay, we're all right. Because we have, we, we, I want, in my mind, I want us to have this many people in here. And if we've got that many people, then everything must be okay. And not understanding the ebb and flow of the spiritual life that each of us are going through. The spiritual fight that our brothers and sisters are waging. When we turn them into just numbers or just bodies in a seat that we wave at and then leave. We've become not that much different from the false teachers. These false teachers were treating people like goods to be bought and sold. Now, you may not be buying and selling other people, but you can be guilty of treating them that exact same way. These false teachers are exploiting people. They are taking advantage of people. Jude will tell us in in Jude uh, verse 12, these shepherds are feeding themselves. They are eating on the sheep. They are shepherds that instead of, imagine a shepherd going out, he's got his sack of food over his shoulder. He walks out into the field and you're with him and you're like, you know, the sheep all gather up around him and are we going to feed the sheep now? And he lays it down. He's like, no, this is my lunch. Uh, And he just sits there and starts eating and the sheep are like, what about us? And he's like, I ain't got time for you. I've got to feed myself. That's what these, that's what these false teachers do. They don't care about feeding the people. They care about gain for themselves. You know, you can see that in the lives of many false teachers today living in multi-million dollar mansions. And saying, look at God's blessing on my life. When really all that it is, is look at me and how I've fed off the sheep. Um, so that's what, these, that's what these false teachers were doing. They were using the flock for their gain when a shepherd is actually supposed to lay down his life for the flock. But it's not surprising that these false teachers don't care about people. It's, it's not surprising that they uh, are pursuing these things. These false teachers don't even care about God. They don't care about God's word specifically. And that, that's what we see at the end of this sentence. 
we're going to see that false teachers reshape God's word. They reshape the word of God. It says that they will exploit you what? With false words. So in their greed, so they're driven by greed. What are they going to do? In their greed, they're going to take advantage of you. They're going to trick you, exploit you. How are they going to do it? With false words. Now that, that word there, false, is the Greek word plastos. Now, what word in English do you think comes from that same Greek word? Let me say it again. Plastos. Any ideas? That's right, Linda. Linda gets five spirit points. Uh, that's right. Though it's where we get the word plastic. It, it, it's, it's the idea of something that is moldable or flexible. Just that's, that's why they called it plastic, uh, because it was something you could mold or shape. It's, it, and so often in your Bibles, it will, it will be translated that way. Something was molded, something was shaped. For, so, for example, uh, in, in 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 13, at the creation of Adam, it says, Adam was formed first, then Eve. That word formed is that same Greek word. He was shaped, he was molded First, it's also the word used to describe in Romans chapter 9, the potter, the molder. So in Romans 9, it says, but who are you, O man, to answer back to God? What is the molded, there's that same word, what is the molded going to say to its molder? So they're all built off that same root, the the one who is being formed, the one who is being shaped. How can the thing being shaped Say to its shaper, why have you made me like this? So in in doing this, these false teachers are molding God's word to say what they want it to say. They're becoming their own sorts of potters. They're taking God's word and spinning it as a potter on a wheel and reshaping it. And they will say whatever they think you want to hear in order to get gain from you. They don't care about you. They care about themselves. They know that if you are happy, then then you will be happy with them and that they will benefit from it. It's very similar to what Paul warned about in 2 Corinthians chapter 2 when he warned about not being peddlers of God's word. Not being like a hawker of God's word as if it's a good. I've got a verse over here, you know, pulling open your, your, your jacket. Which verse do you want me to say? What do you want me to say as a, as a pastor? What do you want to hear to make you happy? I got, I got all these things. You pick one. Like we're not peddlers of God's word like that. We speak in Christ, in the sight of God. We don't speak. So as pastors, Zach and I, like, we don't care what you think ultimately about what we say. We want you to think good things. We want you to love it. We want you to cherish it. We care because we care about you. But ultimately, do you know whose eyes we preach in? We preach in the sight of God. And so when we preach and when we teach, when we do whatever, we recognize that ultimately the one we must be fearing is God, not man. These false teachers reworked the word in order to peddle it to you. They were reforming it in order to sell you a bill of goods that would lead only to your destruction. God and his word is supposed to mold us. We're not supposed to play the role of the molder. We're not supposed to be the, we're not supposed to reshape God's word. 
And that's what they were doing. They were rebelling against their master by reshaping what their master said. And again, let that, let that be a warning to us every time we open our Bibles that when we get to God's word, it's supposed to mold us. We're not supposed to mold it. We're supposed to see what God has said, and that is supposed to, we're, our lives are supposed to be pressed to that instead of us taking God's word and shaping it to whatever we already think is true or what our, whatever we already believe or want it to say. And so, so what defines these false teachers? This is really sort of the end of this description of false teachers now. Because now at the end of verse 3 and on through verse 10, especially, uh, well, even after verse 10, we're going to see the destruction now. That's gonna, what's going to happen to false teachers? They're going to be destroyed and anyone with them. But here we see these false teachers described. So what have we seen? They bring division based on man's word, not God's. They reject the lordship of Christ. They teach what they want to teach. They live how they want to live. They use temptation to attract people. They bring shame on the name of Christ and do not care. They use their listeners for their own gain. They treat God's word like plastic, reshaping it to fit their own desires. That's a false teacher. Now that seems pretty formidable. And when you look in our world today at what is popular, it seems like the people that are doing those things, like that's a, that's a you know, a six-step program to success in the church, actually. And throughout church history, there have been, always been those who know that if they teach people they can live any way they want to, that if they teach people that, that they will be popular and that that often means that they will be rich. And what's funny is I bet every generation of people reading 2 Peter has nudged the other on the shoulder and said, "Uh, this is us. This is our generation, right? This, oh, God wrote this 2,000 years ago and he was talking about today. I'm sure in the 1500s, they were like, well, it'd have to be the late 1500s because the early 1500s, it was all in Latin and they didn't know what the guy was singing anyway. Uh, but, But when they started getting God's word, I bet they were like, hey, that's what's going on. That's what these popes are doing. Uh, you know, I can imagine Calvin nudging his buddy, uh, in the, in the, in the scholastic world and going, Hey, this is exactly what's going on. This is our time. And the truth is this is, it's, it's like in, in sermons, people, and almost all of you have done this. So this is about what you said to me one time. Uh, everyone will go in this in sermons often thinking that's about me. I know that was about me. I know that, that he's preaching my life. Uh, and everyone feels that. Well, that's exactly, this is what's going, you're right. You're, oftentimes you're right. I am talking to you uh, when you say that sermon was about me. But I'm also talking about a bunch of other people that you also, you don't know, uh, are doing the exact same thing and going through the exact same thing you are. And that's very much what's happening here. This the problem of false teachers is something that is very much going on in every generation. It's not just our generation. It's gone in every generation. So one, don't be an alarmist, but also don't think, okay, this is it. This is the one. Also, don't be complacent. So be, be aware of the teachers you are listening to, that the danger of false teaching is out there. And look, this is something... In, in our world, one way that we're different from their world is the glut of things that are available to you at your fingertips. You know, back in the 1500s, Calvin could bu- nudge his buddy and say, this is talking about now. 
But for someone to hear a false teacher, that false teacher would either have to walk into town, right, or those people would have to walk out of town. Here, you just have to pull out your phone, right? You just have to say, you know what? I've always wanted to know about sanctification. What does sanctification even mean? And the worst thing you can do is type that into Google, right? The worst thing you can do. The first thing you should do is, is, is ask, ask your pastor. Uh, ask your pastors, what is this? Show me these verses. Help me find these verses. But don't be complacent. As First John chapter 4, verse 1 says, test the spirits. Test the spirits of anything that you're listening to. Make sure that they match up with God's word. And, and I say, ask your pastor about any teacher you want to listen to or any book. Because you know what Zach and I are probably going to tell you, the thing you need to do first off is read more Bible. I mean, that's going to be the first thing we're going to tell you. When, they're like, when you're like, well, who should I read? We'll go, John, Peter, maybe. Uh, add a little Moses in there. That needs to be your foundation. But as if you're wanting to hear good things from, from, I mean, from that's why we're here getting sermons and listening to them. If you want to hear good things as well, if you want to hear other people that are saying godly things, if you want to be exhorted to godliness by other people that are pointing you to God's word, you know, talk to your pastors about any book that you want to listen to or any person you've heard on the radio and you want to go, hey, is this person okay? Is this book all right? What's going on here? Because we can help shepherd you in that and, and warn you about, okay, well, you got to be careful about this or this guy's popular for the wrong reasons because, look, you can hear a hundred sermons by a guy and think they're great. It's the hundred and first that really throws you for a loop. Uh, and so just be careful. I, I say that because Zach and I, I know we worry about all the stuff, all the teachers that are out there, and that many times it is easier just to Google. It is easier just to go to Mardell's and, and find a book, or to Lifeway and find a book. Uh, and it, it would actually be better for you to talk to your pastors and let us make sure that the book that you get uh, is going to be a good one. Uh, and if you talk to your pastors, actually, like I said, the first thing we're going to do is say, all right, we don't want to pawn you off on a book. So if you want to know about sanctification, let's sit down together and read what the Bible says about it. Let's show you what God's word says. You don't need a, you don't need a book to tell you about that. We can, we can walk you through God's word. Uh, and then we can build upon that, upon that later. So the, the truth is many of the most popular people out there if, on the internet and on the radio, many of them have problems. And if you're not aware of that and you're just listening or you're just reading, even with the best intentions, uh, it can be not for your good, but for your ill. Uh, and so things like this should, we should be concerned. Okay, so let's talk about how do you, how do you, so if this is who false teachers are and this is what they're going to be, and, and he's about to shift into the question of their destruction, how do you protect yourself against false teachers? How do you protect yourself against this, uh, this everywhere danger and one is, first, don't be a false teacher yourself. All right, this is going to just make it personal here to begin with. These false teachers came from within the church. Maybe they were once in the same position you are now, listening to a shepherd, and then decided, you know what? I think I want to be one of those. I think I want to teach, and I want to teach this. And So how can you guard against being a false teacher? Look at all the things we said false teachers do and don't do those things, right? So don't abuse God's word. Don't go beyond what the word says. Don't stop short of it. Guard your heart against things like a love for money. Make sure that you're living in, that, that the Lord is your master in every aspect of your life. 
in your Bible reading. Let, let the Bible mold you. Make sure you're not molding it. All of those are small. Someone doesn't just wake up one day and go, I think I'd like to be a false teacher today. All of the, and then go, well, what are the six steps to being a false teacher? Okay, I've got to start denying my master. I've got to start reshaping God's word. I mean, these are all things that they were doing up until the point that they started teaching as well. This is just part of their life. So one, don't be a false teacher yourself. But then two more things. Uh, don't be surprised at false teachers. Don't be surprised. Paul warned Timothy about this, that uh, there would be those who, like we said last time, go beyond God's word. First Timothy chapter four, one through five. Now the spirit expressly says that in latter times, which we live in, some will depart from the faith. How? By devoting themselves to deceitful spirits and teachings of demons through the insincerity of liars whose consciences are seared, who forbid marriage and require abstinence from foods. Uh, that God has created to be received. So, so they've gone beyond God's word. They're saying, uh, no, marriage is forbidden now. And you can't eat, you can only eat these types. They're abstaining certain foods, um, the things that should God created to be received with thanksgiving by those who believe and know the truth for everything created by God is good and nothing is to be rejected if it is received with thanksgiving for it's made holy by the word of God and prayer. So the Bible, Timothy's, or Paul tells Timothy, look, there are going to be people who go beyond God's word. It's going to happen. But also know that on the other end of the spectrum, there are going to be those that stop short of God's word. Paul warns Timothy about these in 2 Timothy. In 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 3 and 4, he's going to warn about those who itch the ears of people and who encourage them to sensualities. So he says, for the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching. This is the opposite side. People will not endure sound teaching, but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions. So if the previous ones were, uh, were creating these new laws that were not according to Scripture and telling people, you can't do that. Why? Because I said so. Uh, here's you've got this other side that says, even though the Word of God says you shouldn't do that, I'm saying you can do it anyway. These people are itching their ears. to They're wanting teachers to suit their what? Their passions. They want teachers that love sensuality like they love sensuality and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. Those sorts of things are not surprising. So don't think that the end has come because the end has been here, right? Uh, this has been happening since the end did come. Uh, and so don't be surprised by it. So what do you do? Well, in both those cases, Paul told Timothy to do the same thing. Get in the word. Get in the word. So as a pastor, how does Timothy protect against these false teachers? Timothy, you get in the word. And as a believer, how do you protect yourselves against false teachers? You get in the word. So in chapter four, those who are going beyond God's word, what should Timothy do? Look at what Timothy says, or what Paul says in, in verses 11 through 13. Command and teach these things, the things that he's just been talking about. Let no one deceive you, uh, despise you for your youth, but set an example for believers in speech and conduct in love and faith and in purity until I come. Devote yourself to reading, to exhortation, to teaching. Reading, exhorting, teaching what? The scripture. That's what you do. Devote yourself, devote yourself to those things. How do you combat those who go beyond the word of God? You devote yourself to only the word. 
in, in earlier in chapter four, it warned about those who go beyond God's word. Timothy, what do you do? You give them the word and only the word. That's what you, that's what you read. That's what you exhort. That's what you teach. The word, the word, the word. You set the example by doing that. You show the believer. You set an example to the believer. You these people going beyond God's word. You set the example. How? You don't go beyond it. You give them just the word of God, but you give them the word of God. Or how about those who stop short? The ones he warned about in 2 Timothy. What's Paul going to tell Timothy to do in 2 Timothy about those who stop short? Okay, so those who go beyond God's word, for those people, you give them the word. Okay, but what about those who stop short of God's word? Well, then these people, you're going to give them the word. Same thing. Look at what he says in chapter 4, verses 1 and 2. This is the start of that section that we looked at, those itching ears. What should Timothy do recognizing that people are going to want sensuality? That they're going to want to heap up those types of teachers? He says, I charge you in the presence of God and of Jesus Christ, of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead. Very similar to what Peter's going to warn about. And by his appearing and his kingdom, what do you do? Preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season, reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete what? Patience and complete teaching. What do you do if people want their ears tickled? You give them the word. You don't tickle their ears. You give them the word. Even though they will want you to tickle their ears, you don't. You, you come at them with complete patience but also complete teaching, teaching them what? The word, preaching the word, giving them the word. False teachers are always best combated with God's word. In fact, they can only be combated with God's word. To move outside of God's word is to fight the battle in their arena instead of God's. It is for you to think that God's word is as ineffective as they think it is. And that's not just true for for pastors, that's true for you as well. The more you are in God's word, and this is why normally the discussion of who should I read, what should I read, and all this, that normally happens when someone is new to the faith, or they're going through a period where they're very excited about God, they want to read everything. Everything. And so that's why we tell them, you want to read everything? Read the main thing. Get in God's word. Start soaking that up, because that will also help protect you When a false teacher comes in and says something different from God's word, you'll know enough of God's word to know that's not right. What I've just heard, that's not correct, right? Because I've, I know I've read something different in scripture. The more you are in God's word, the more you will know if people are molding it and shaping it to what they want to say rather than what it does say. To know when someone is offering you a teaching that is false, you have to be intimately familiar with the real thing. It's like that great example of how they teach people to distinguish counterfeit bills, right? We've all heard this story probably. How do they train, you know, treasury officials to distinguish counterfeit bills? They don't show them the counterfeits, do they? They show them over and over the real thing. They handle real money over and over and over till they can recognize the thing that's not real. Till they can recognize the counterfeit. They don't, they don't show them, here, let's show you the hundred best counterfeits we've ever seen. They just make them so intimately familiar with the dollar. 
that they can pick it up and say, this ain't the real thing. This ain't it. I know what a dollar is, and this ain't it. I know what a $100 bill is, and this ain't it. That's how we need to be with God's Word. If you don't know much Bible, then you won't know whether these men and today women are remolding God's Word or not. You won't know enough that when the woman stands up to preach and go, molding, remolder, I know that passage, this shouldn't be happening. If you don't know that, then you might just be like, just sitting and watching and smiling and they might say something good and something that really, oh, I like that. Uh, And you're just happy-go-lucky and then later on you go back and go, wait, should that have even happened? If we're not familiar enough with God's word, all of these remolding of God's word we will not be aware of. And we won't know when the false teaching is even taking place. You want to guard yourself against false teaching? Get in the word. So churches, we're looking at 2 Peter and the destruction that's about to come on the ungodly. A destruction that recognized is on the same level. God is able to save the righteous. He's able to rescue them. And God is also able to keep the unrighteous until judgment. If we're wanting to make sure that we're not on the the pseudo-teacher side, if we're not on the false teacher side, if we want to make sure that we are being molded by God's word and not the molder, you need to get in God's word. You need to get in God's word and you need to be saying, God, protect me against so many of these traits that could so easily creep into my life. Desire for money. A desire to control my own life. Want to be my own master. Want God's word to say what I want it to say. Wanting to use people for my own good. Those are all common temptations that if left unchecked will result in a destructive outcome on your life. How do you protect against those things? Get in the word. Getting in the word is the thing that will protect you from all of those temptations that will guard you from the false teachers out there and the false teachers in your own heart. Let's pray.